Join me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Last week I was talking about the three voices of your three-part nature. And uh, you'll see what I, I mean by that in just a moment as we get over to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Lately I've been teaching a series of messages of how to be led by the Spirit of God. We've been teaching uh, the, about our spiritual nature. Amen. And we see over there in Job 32.8, it says, There is a spirit in man. There is a spirit in man, and the Almighty gives them understanding. Or it says, The inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. Right? We know that Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 27, it said that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching the inward parts of our belly. Right? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, it says, What man can know the things of a man, save the spirit of man that is on the inside of him? So the Bible tells us that we are a three-part being. It tells us that we are a spirit being, that we will live eternally. It's just a matter of where and it's a matter of how, right? Amen. We are created in the likeness of God, in the image of God. Jesus said over there in John 4, 24, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Amen. And then we saw over there in Genesis chapter 1, 26, that God said that we are made in his likeness after his image so that we too are an eternal being. All right. We are not omnipotent like God. We are not omniscient like God. However, we have a spiritual makeup. We are eternal beings like God. We are given the capability of communicating with God, of being directed and led by the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that the Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. That it didn't say that the flesh of man was the candle of the Lord. It didn't say that the mind of man is the candle of the Lord. It says that your spirit man is searching the inward parts of your, your middle region here, your gut, your belly, right? Right there in your spirit. So many times Christians are looking for God to give them a sign outwardly. But God doesn't give signs outwardly. He speaks inwardly to the Christians. And it is carnality to seek outward signs from an inward-speaking God. He is an inward-speaking God. This natural realm is a poor representative of the will of God. You can't make decisions in this life based on what you see. Because the Bible tells us that Satan is the God of this world, right? 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says that Satan, the God of this world, is blinding the eyes of them, or the minds of them that believe not. Right? Lest the glorious light of the gospel of Christ should shine upon them. So we know that Satan manipulates this seen realm. Jesus, uh, speaking of Satan, in John 14, 30, he says, Satan is the prince of this world. Paul said in Ephesians 2, 2, that Satan is the prince of the power of the air, that spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience. So there's a lot of things in this natural world that Satan is manipulating. He works in the natural realm. However, God works in the realm of the Spirit. We know that you have a a three-part being, and there's voices. Your flesh will speak to you. Your mind will speak to you. And sometimes your flesh and your mind can fall under the temptation of the enemy. And so you can't always be led by the thoughts of your mind. My goodness! Can anyone say amen to that? Imagine if you acted on even half the thoughts that crossed your mind. Come on now. 
we would get into uh, trouble in a hurry, wouldn't we? Imagine if you did everything your flesh told you to do. Some of you do, <laughs> right? You know, or some of you do a lot of things that the flesh tells you to do, and it gets you into trouble, and you wonder why things are, are not going right in your life. That's right. Come on now, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse 23. Today I'm going to call this message, Keeping a Tender Conscience. You don't want to be led by your flesh, because the flesh can only make decisions based on self-gratification. That's right. Your flesh can only make one-dimensional choices. It can only choose what feels better, what sounds better, right? It can only do that which benefits itself. That's Right? And I use this example, what if you're offered two jobs, and one job pays money, more money than the other one? The flesh says, by default, you have to take the job with more money, because that is what would feel better. But what if God spoke to you in your spirit, and you just had a leading and a witness? You know, take that job with the lesser money. Stay in that job. Stay in that position, because I'm going to show you uh, some things that are coming up in your life. And there, I'm going to promote you. There, I'm going to increase your influence. There is where you're going to get your heart's desires. There is where you are going to be promoted in the kingdom of God. You're going to win more people to yes. Christ. There is where you're going to find that relationship you've been believing for. Or, 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 you know, that's where you're going to have the children that you've been believing for, and so on. Things that God knows that the flesh does not know. Right. Only your spirit is aware of the plan of God. Your flesh has no knowledge of a plan. It can only make surface decisions. Right? right. right? Same with your mind. It can only make surface decisions. And this is what we need to do. We need to get below the surface. And we need to train ourselves with the Word of God and have a relationship with God that we're actually led in our spirit. Amen. Amen. That we actually spend time and we tune and we build and we adjust ourselves in our heart. Right? So that we get to learn and to know and understand this nature that God has put in us, the spirit nature. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this. It says, And the very God of peace sanctify you or separate you completely. He says, I pray, God, that your whole spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So notice God is going to inspect our three-part nature. Do you see your three-part nature in that verse? You are spirit, soul, and body. The spirit and the soul are not the same thing. Don't get confused. The Bible teaches us that there's a difference between your soul and a difference between your spirit. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, "...the word of God is quick and powerful." Sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing or piercing down to the division of soul and spirit. Sometimes we have a hard time understanding what is really our mind and what is really our heart. The Word of God is the judge of that. Makes the call. When you know the Word, you'll know if it's your heart that's agreeing with the Word or if your mind is, you know, trying to call its own shot, so to speak. So here's your three-part nature. You are a spirit being. You have a soul... And you live in a body, right? And we talked, we, we went in reverse order last week. It's real easy to, to distinguish the body, right? That's your flesh. The body is your outward man. The flesh contacts the physical world. Your soul, the Greek word soul there is the Greek word suke. It means your mind, your will, your intellect, and your emotions. So your soul is what contacts 
the emotional realm. It's when, uh, uh, when fear would try to, you know, when you feel the effects of a spirit of fear, it would register in your soul. If you're feeling sorrowful, if you're feeling those emotions, those are registering in the soul or in the mind of man, all right? And then also, uh, notice this, you, you live in a body, you have a soul, but the number one uh, part of your, your, uh, your nature is your spirit, the spirit of man, the spirit of man. The spirit of man is what I've already described, is the part of you that is made in the likeness of God. It is the part of you that communicates or contacts with the realm of God, the realm of the spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. And last week we started looking at that these three parts will all have their own voice. All of them have their own voice and they are all trying to lead you and direct you in different ways. The voice of the flesh comes through natural feelings, right? It comes through appetite. It comes through hunger. The voice of the flesh will talk to you through thirst. But then those things aren't wrong. There's nothing wrong with, you know, knowing that your body is thirsty. You know, some of you stopped by the drinking fountain today because your body in some way was communicating to you that you need water. Okay? So there was a voice of that flesh telling you where to go and where to get that water to meet a need of the flesh. Nothing wrong with that, right? You got to eat. You got to have water. You got to, you know, uh, put clothes on. Dear Lord, (laughs) please do. And all all these things. And and, and those are, that's the voice of the flesh talking to you. Now, where the voice of the flesh gets dangerous is when it starts leading you in the things of cravings and the things of lust, right? That is a voice of the flesh. The, The flesh is selfish. The flesh will do whatever it can do to please itself regardless of how much it hurts somebody or destroys somebody else. The flesh is self-gratifying, okay? And so you've got to be careful because the, the Bible says that we have to present our bodies to the Lord, holy and acceptable and unblameable in His sight, right? The, the Bible says that we have to crucify the flesh, put it under, make it suffer at times, make sure we don't let it touch what it wants to touch. And the Bible says that you can defile your whole life through what your flesh touches or doesn't touch. Right? Amen. And God's a good father. He's telling us, no, don't touch that. That's a hot stove. That's going to burn you. That's going to hurt you. So God's a good father in keeping us safe that way. Amen. Now, we talked about the voice of the mind. The voice of the mind is registered through thoughts and emotions. Okay? The voice of the mind will speak to you and try to get you to make decisions based on emotional things. Oh, yeah. There's people all over the place. They're led by their emotions. They go to a church because of what emotionally is there. Oh, yeah. There's people that should be in church today, but they're not because their kids wanted to, to stay home and, and uh, uh, play in the, the lawn and, and go outside and just have a good time. And they, they oh, I don't want to go to church today. I don't want to go to church today. And the, the, the parents start getting pulled on by their emotions, and their emotions led them to disobey God. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure they See, we've got to be careful. You don't do something because you're emotionally attached. Oh, my goodness. So many people, they're making decisions on their emotions. You know, of where do I go, go to church? What if I go to church? There's some people, they're making their decisions whether to obey God based on their emotions. The Word of God will tell you to tithe. Or the Word of God will speak to your heart, tell you to go bless another Christian with something. And the emotions start saying, oh, I don't want to give that. I like that. That makes me happy. 
And you could, God will speak to you and say, go bless that, that believer over there with it or something. Go, go help those people over there. Look, they, they're going through a, a, a difficult time. Go over and be a blessing. Give that. It's, go give them a valuable or go give them some money. And all of a sudden, uh, your emotions kick in and say, oh, but I wanted that. That made me feel better. And people start to be led by their emotions. Yeah, I'll tell you what. The mind is a terrible place to try to live out of. The Bible tells you that you have to take every thought captive and you have to hold it obedient to Christ. The Bible says, be not transformed or be not conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you're going to have to take your mind and fill it with the word of God. Because when you get born again, your flesh doesn't change. Your mind doesn't necessarily, necessarily change. Your spirit man changes. But now you are given a lifetime assignment of constantly renewing this mind. Constantly trying to think in line with the Word of God. Hallelujah. So we understand that that there are different voices from our different natures. Today, we're going to talk about keeping a tender conscience. We're going to talk about the voice of your spirit now. So now we talked about how your your, uh, flesh communicates to you, how your mind communicates to you. If you weren't here last week and you really feel like you need uh, more teaching about the flesh and the mind... Go on to our archives on our website. Go and pull up last Sunday's service. You know, I taught extensively on that. I'm just giving you a little bit of review to catch you up. All right? So now we come to our most important part of our nature, our spirit. What is the voice of your own spirit? Go with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. We're going to get over there in in just a moment. Romans 8. Hallelujah. Now we're going to talk about the voice of your spirit. Because this is where God is going to communicate with you. This is where God's going to reveal his plan for your life to you. Hallelujah. The spirit of man. And I'm just slowing down and teaching you. Hallelujah. Praise God. And before we get to the scripture, let me just tell you. The voice of your own spirit registers in your conscience. The voice of the flesh registers in terms of physical feeling. The voice of the mind registers in thoughts. Now your spirit man will talk to you in the form of conscience. Conscience. The New Testament has a ton to say about our conscience. This is not an exhaustive study, but I'm going to give you the basics here today. Just teach you how to walk this thing out. Because we're not here to be wooed and wowed. We're here to get practical knowledge, to walk out and be doers of it every day. I'll tell you what, if you'll take what you learn in these services and apply it to your life, I will guarantee you that you're going you're gonna to come to a higher place in God, a higher fellowship with God. Things are going to start working. Things are going to start clicking. You're start overcoming. Hallelujah. So let's look at how the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit through our conscience. Now we're going to go to Romans 8.16, and we're going to give you a little demonstration here. Now, the Word of God says, in Romans 8.16, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit itself, now, better translation, Himself. We know the Holy Spirit's not an it. That was the translators back there in 1611. They they translated. The word in the Greek is actually himself. The spirit himself 
beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And now, all jokes aside of all the raising hand jokes and everything that we did here a few minutes ago, now I'm going to give you a serious demonstration, and I do want you to participate if we are talking about you. This is part of your training and your learning here today. Now notice it says, the Spirit of God will bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If you are a child of God and you 100% absolutely know so, lift your hand now. All right, praise the Lord. Okay, you can put your hands down. What was that? What was that? Notice when I had you lift your hand, notice that instantly you just knew. This is a no-so salvation. When you are born again, you know so. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, it says, These things I write unto you, that you may know you have eternal life, that you may know that you've called upon the name of the Son of God. Right? You know you have eternal life. And something, when I asked you that question, whether you even recognized it or not, something on the inside of you had complete confidence and said, Yes, lift your hand. Even though you didn't hear a voice from heaven that said, lift your hand, trust me. You didn't hear a voice like that. You had a witness in your spirit, in your conscience, that you know so. Because that is the leading of the Holy Spirit. He gives you a know-so kind of leading. He tells you in a certain fact in your conscience about things. Right? You had a green light on the inside to raise your hand. Some of you might have been kind of questioning. Some of you kind of wondered. Some of you are unclear in your conscience. See, you have to get clear in your conscience. The whole life that God has for you is based on you walking before Him with complete confidence in your conscience, knowing that everything you do and everything you say is acceptable and pleasing to your Heavenly Father. Glory to God. See, that's how the Spirit of God leads you on the inside. He leads you with that green light. He gives you that confidence to pull the trigger, so to speak. You know, you just knew it. There was a knowing on the inside of you. There was a witness on the inside. And you just just instantly lifted your hand. You didn't have to sit there and say, well, I don't know. I did make a mistake, you know, last week. And, um, oh, my goodness, you know, have I been to enough church services um, oh man, I'm not sure if I gave enough. You know, you don't have to go through that because you know that salvation is not based on any of those things. You know that was based upon your belief upon Christ, right? And instantly your conscience is given that confidence. Now, don't you think God could give you that same confidence to make other decisions? Don't you think that just something on the inside, regardless of money that's involved, regardless of the people that are involved, regardless of how it looks, regardless of how popular it's going to make you, regardless of how fun it's going to be, don't you think the Spirit of God could give you a no-so leading about the other decisions in your life? Amen. That is what you need. It's called clarity. It's called clarity. You had clarity to raise your hand. You knew that in your spirit you were clear to, to lift your hand, right? Now, could a person, you know, who's not saved lift their hand just because they have wrong thinking? Oh, yeah. Because here's what you must know about your conscience. It must be educated. It must be trained with the Word of God. Your conscience must be prepared through word and prayer. 
your conscience will become more sensitive, right, as you spend more time in the presence of God, right? Just like a hot coal becomes more sensitive the more it spends time in the presence of wind, right? The more wind that's moving or the more air that's moving across that hot coal, the more it lights up, the more sensitive. Boy, have you ever... Well, you know, I, I've done a little camping in my, in my day. I actually did a little camping back in March when we had some of that uh, warm weather. I took my son, Timothy, out in the woods, and we, uh, we did some camping and stuff. And you wake up in the morning, and, you, you, you know, right before you went to bed, you built up this big, huge fire, right? And then you wake up in the morning several hours later, and it just looks like a big gray ash pile, right? And you think, oh, man, the fire's out. But you go over there and say, I'm just going to wonder. I wonder and see if there's anything still burning under there. And, you know, you get down there and you, you, you do your, your best Davy Crockett impression. Okay, that was weak. And, 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 and you start acting like a mountain man. And you blow on those hot coals. And all of a sudden, all the dust blows away. And all of a sudden, you see, as you blow on those coals, all of a sudden, those, those embers that look dead are really alive. Yes. That's a, that's a picture of so many Christians today. They need to get the dust blown off them and realize that there's a hot coal of the Spirit of God on the inside of them in the window. When they would get into the presence of God, they would understand that my spirit is alive unto God. The candle of my spirit is lit. I can hear from heaven. I can know so. In the same way, you can be led by God. Where it's just a no-so. I know that that coal is hot and burning because the wind moves over it and it lights up. And the more wind that moves over it, the, the, the brighter it gets. The more word you get in, in, in your conscience in, in contact with, the brighter it's going to get. The more prayer and, and, and time with God that yes. you get, more time you spend in His presence, the brighter your spirit man's going to get. The more sensitive it's going to get. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. See, it's a no-so. It's clarity. There's certain decisions that I've made and, and haven't made because I, I, it, there's investments that have come my way that I just don't partake in. Because even though they look great, I don't participate because there's, there's no, there's no uh, wind blowing over the, right. the coal, so to speak. That's right. I just, on the inside, the Spirit of God, it might not even show up in terms of words. It's not even the authoritative voice of God. But on the inside, I just know, don't participate. Right. That's not the investment. Uh, I've purchased houses, you know, uh, I've been part of, you know, building buildings and, and stuff like that. And there were so many decisions, whether it was financial, whether it was just material or whatever, that God would say, no, not there. And, that, and it wasn't because I heard some booming voice from heaven. But God loves to lead his children with a spiritual witness. Yeah. Amen. Right. Just like that wind, you know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a sailor. I was a former sailor. I'd been trained in, in, in sailboats and such and did some sailing and and. and whatever, back in my former life. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I had gone to school for sailing. I had gotten a captain's license uh, as a sailor and things. And there's one thing that you knew in the, in the realm of sailing, that a good sailor doesn't need a lot of wind to sail. You know, I'll tell you, these sailors, that they got to have 30 miles an hour of wind blowing out there before they can go out there and make the boat go. You know, they don't know what they're doing. In the same way, we, God wants to lead us with a, a, a light breath. And we don't, we don't need to hear a thunderclap before we do something. We don't need a vision of Jesus before we're led. We don't need an angel to show up before we'll actually obey God. We don't need an earthquake. We don't need a fire. We don't need a hurricane before we obey God. 
if we'll be sensitive in our spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want to be, you know, when I was a sailor, I wanted to be that guy that, I mean, when there's just a couple, couple knots of wind out there, I can get out there and sail that boat. Well, the other guys are all trying to, you know, figure it out. Because that's the way I want to be with God. I don't need him to show up and, and kick me on my side. I don't need him. Now, if he does do that, well, then praise God. But I don't need an earthquake. I don't need uh, an audible voice to show up and, you know, speak from the cloud and, and, and shake me and rock me to my core. I just want God to speak just feather. Just brush a feather over my spirit. Just give me a witness. Just talk to my conscience. And I'll have a no-so leading. That's right. Amen. Amen. That's what you look for as a believer. You're not looking for the voice. You're not looking for outward signs. You're not looking for natural circumstances. You're looking for clarity in your spirit. Success is when you have the clarity. When you have clarity, you are already there. Some people, they're waiting for the natural circumstances to change. You should have sought clarity first. They're waiting for their, their finances to turn around. They're waiting for their mortgage to get caught up. They're waiting to get that new job. They're waiting for uh, a, a kid to turn around. They're waiting for something. They're waiting for something they're believing for. And they think that they, they, they base their peace on whether or not it shows up right away. You can never base your peace on natural circumstances. You can only base your peace upon the clarity of the Holy Ghost. There's so many things that have not shown up yet that, uh, that I'm believing God for, but I got clarity on the yes. inside. Yes. So that's why I can smile about it. Yes. Hallelujah. Good. I'll share just some basic things. I mean, just in terms of uh, uh, this church, you know, as an administrator and things, you know, I'm always making decisions that are best for the church. And, and praise God, we're getting near to the 50% paid off mark from this building. We've been in it for two years. We have it almost halfway paid off. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you what, I just know in my spirit, though it hasn't shown up, that other 50% is coming real soon. Hallelujah. I just have clarity. I got clarity on it. There's certain things that God's called me to do. You know, there's certain uh, invitations that I get to go to different parts of the world. There's ones that I just, I just, I have no clarity on it. Some others I get clarity on. And so I start bringing it before God. And, and uh, as, he, as he speaks with me and deals with me, I make those decisions. Amen. Amen. Clarity is your goal. Amen. If you aren't clear about a decision, don't make it. Good. 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 If you've got a red light on the inside, don't make the decision. If you have an uncertainty on the inside, don't make the decision. Wait until you can pull the trigger, just like you lifted your hands a few moments ago, that you could do so with complete clarity and understanding. That's right. Why? Verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Go with me to 1 John. 1 John, chapter 3. And let's go to verse 20. I'm so glad that I have a leading in my spirit. I'm so glad I have a compass on the inside at all times. I don't care how good. You know what? There's things in this life that are good ideas, and there's things in this life that are God ideas. And you need to know the difference between a good idea and a God idea. A good idea just looks good to the flesh. A God idea is when you have it on the inside. Hallelujah. Me becoming a pastor was not a good idea. (laughs) That sounds funny. And I appreciate that no one's laughing. (laughs) 
But you know what I mean? I was, I was told on the inside by the Lord, directed me to step out of my school teaching position and to pastor this church, okay? And of course, uh, I did that. And I did so at a natural decline to my finances. I mean, my, my, my salary was just about near cut in half. And uh, then uh, uh, a year and a half later, the Lord spoke to me and my wife and told her to step out of her job. And uh, she had some, some things brewing in terms of promotions and things. And my wife and I were, 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 were looking at the possibility naturally where we could have had a, a, a natural salary of over six figures. And around here, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good a lot of places you go, especially for people that were in their uh, uh, middle to late 20s. You know, it just looked, oh, my goodness, my wife is going to keep that job. She'll be promoted there. I'm going to keep my teaching job, keep that salary. The church said I could keep my, my, my teaching job, and the church would still pay me a salary. We would have three salaries coming in, you know, and it just naturally looked like, oh, wow, how good, how good. And God said, no, actually, I don't want you to keep your teaching job. I want you to pastor the church, and in a couple years, your wife step away from her job. We went from... An, the possibility of a nice large income to about a quarter of that, okay? Because that was the leading of God. That's right. That's right. See, all that job, all those things, doing all those things, they were all good ideas, but it wasn't a God idea. That's right. That's right. And where did God lead me? In my conscience. Yes. Spoke to my wife as well, right here in my conscience. Let me show you how this works. First John three twenty. Praise the Lord. I'm so grateful. For my conscience speaking to me, my conscience is speaking to me, giving me clarity, warning me, telling me yes here, no there, go here, go there, don't go there. It's always got that, that, I just say my spirit is sensitive like a hot coal before God. God is constantly speaking to my spirit, constantly building my sensitivity, constantly leading me in the right place at the right time. Here's what you need to know. You will never see true happiness until you have this leading. Never will. You will never experience fulfillment until you follow the plan of God. Never. You, You will constantly be running through this life, burning yourself out, going from one good idea to the next, trying to wonder why you're not fulfilled, wondering why that job didn't make you happy, wondering why that relationship didn't make you happy, why that new car didn't make you happy, why why all this stuff just isn't making you happy. You're still unfulfilled no matter how much you pursue, no matter how much you chase, because man was made to fulfill the plan of God. Your spirit nature was put inside of you to fulfill the plan of God. And there's no satisfaction until you fulfill it. I'm going to say this, and some people might misunderstand me. I I do everything in my ability not to be an arrogant person. But I'll tell you what, my life is blessed. And then people say, well, why? What do you have? It isn't about what I have. It's about what I have on the inside. And let me tell you what I have. I have complete confidence before God. Complete confidence before God. Hallelujah. I am... I, I tell you, people say, well, man, don't you ever face a trial and test? Yeah, I do, but I don't tell you about them. Come on. There's so many people that say, man, you just seem like you never go through anything. Well, yeah, because I deal, I, I, I deal with it in the spirit. I don't consult flesh and blood about my problems. Some of you think, you're, you, you think a person out there is, is going to be your help. A person has got your answer. No, God's got your answer. 
God's got to answer for you. He's trying to speak to you in here, trying to get you adjusted. Yes. You know, he's, he's, he's going he's gonna to put something in you. Hallelujah. That's right. That's he's going to tell you. He's going to lead you. He's going to direct you. He's going to convict your conscience. Hallelujah. Yes. We need to understand that. Yes. Some of you are waiting for a person to help you out. Some of you are leaning on a person to get you through. A person will not get you through. Your pastor won't get you through everything. You can't lean on a pastor. That's why I don't let people lean on me. Now, you depend on your pastor to feed you. Your pastor's there to feed your spirit so it becomes sensitive so you can hear God. So you can do what God wants you to do. There's people all the time, Pastor, Pastor, if you pray for me, then it'll work. No. The Bible says, if it is any man afflicted, let him pray. I gotta, I'm just going to tell you, no, it's your responsibility. I'll agree with you. I'll pray with you, but I can't do your praying for you. I will not do your praying for you. That's right. That shocks people. They think, well, that insensitive jerk. That guy is so mean. No, I'm not going to let you grow up to be an invalid in God. And I know this, God's got a plan for us and for this church, and I'm not going to let myself burn out trying to be your Jesus. No, no, no. I cannot be your Jesus. Right. I will not be your That's Jesus. Right. That's right. That's right. And pastors, if they try to be everyone's Jesus, guess what? They're dead right. in middle age right. because they wore themselves out trying to be something that only Jesus could be to the people. Right. I am your shepherd on this earth. Jesus is your high shepherd. I just tell you what the high shepherd does and how he works. I pray for this church as a group. There's times when the Spirit of God will, will uh, anoint me and give me utterance to pray for individual lives. And as the Spirit leads, I do. But when someone com- comes to me and they say, pray for me, I say, wait, 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 right there. I'll pray with you. I'll agree with you. But if that means me doing the praying and you going home, just thinking, oh, now my problem's solved because the pastor's praying, I'm not going to do it. No. I will not, cannot, won't do it. That's right. Good. Have I made my point yet? <laughs> Because you've got to understand. You have to understand that your life will not satisfy until you hear the voice of God, until you know you're in the plan and the will that God has for your life. There's nothing better. If you're living an unfulfilled life right now, I can tell you what, you aren't hearing the voice of God. You're not doing the will of God. If, if you go home at night, and I, I mean, I have people tell me, like, I'm miserable. They tell me, like, they say, Pastor Tim, my life is miserable. If your life is miserable, then somewhere along the line, you are not following the leading of the voice of the Holy Ghost. He leads you into green pastures. He leads you into still waters. He restoreth my soul. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I am not going to live a life that is just one set of disappointments right after another. I I determined to follow the Holy Ghost, and he takes me from one apex to another apex. I'm not going lower. lower, I'm not going down. I'm going higher with God. Always going up. Never going down. Always victorious, regardless of how it looks, how it feels. I'm victorious by birthright. I am victorious because I'm a child of the living God. Hallelujah. And it doesn't matter what I face or what I go through or what my emotions feel or what my flesh wants. That's right. That's right. All that matters is I seek that clarity. And as I follow that clarity, he leads me into green pastures, still waters. Surely goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. 
No weapon formed against me will prosper. And every tongue that rises against me in judgment I shall condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Hallelujah. Proverbs 133, you shall hearken unto me. What does he say? You shall hearken unto me. And you'll be quiet from the fear of evil. Proverbs 12, 21, there shall no evil happen unto the just. Hallelujah. How about Proverbs 12, 28? In the way of righteousness there is no death. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How about Proverbs 4.18? The path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. Brighter and brighter. Brighter and brighter. Hallelujah. How about Romans 8.37? Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that's loved us. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, whatsoever is born of God overcomes this world. Hallelujah. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Praise the Lord. I'm not getting trampled on by anything. No, right. Psalm 90 verse 11, he shall give your, his angels charge over thee, lest you dash your foot against one stone. No, no evil shall befall thee. No plague shall come near your dwelling. Hallelujah. See, we need to get so filled with the Word, so filled with, with the Word of God. Our conscience is so educated, so yes. trained, that no matter when all hell is cutting loose in this yeah, yeah. world, and when all this world is falling down and collapsing, we know on the inside, I got it clear. I got it clear. I got it clear. There's so many times when, when, when people will tell me, and I'm so glad, God will, uh, people will tell me about their circumstances. Whether it's somebody uh, uh, in this church or someone in my, my own you know, extended family or whatever. And so many times, uh, just recently I had a family member, a couple family members, just out of, out of nowhere get rushed to the hospital. You know? And uh, all of a sudden I just felt that urge to pray. I started praying in the Holy Ghost. And I mean, it was about three minutes. It didn't take me an hour. Just three minutes, clarity came. And, and I interpreted, I knew what that clarity meant. He's going to be fine. Psalm 118, verse 17, right? What does it say? He shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. See? Hallelujah! But if, if your conscience goes uneducated, you will not hear these things. You will not be, you will, if you don't know the word, you won't be able to sense it enough and you won't pick up on that frequency that God's speaking to you. You getting something out of this here today? I'm fixing to close. And I'm fixing to be on time today. But I'm sure we'll find some way to ruin that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you getting some help here today? I'll tell you what, it's not just possible, it's likely. It's likely to get a hold of the Word of God. Where, you know, why do you think Jesus slept on the back of that boat in the midst of a storm of hurricane proportions in Mark chapter 4, right around the 35th verse to the end of the chapter. Remember that account? Jesus in the midst of that storm, waves crashing over the boat. The boat was sinking under the water. And he's on that boat with 12 fishermen that have been, they've spent their whole life on that lake. And they all ran to him and said, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus was sleeping. Have you ever tried to sleep through a hurricane on a boat? Hurricane-sized waves, I mean, when a boat is literally starting to dip under the water, that's when they woke him. And Jesus woke up and said, 
why are you afraid? Yeah, come on. He said, why don't you have faith? Jesus said, Jesus, Jesus said, my conscience is clear. I've got clarity. I was sleeping in the rest that clarity brings. And I already know the boat isn't going under. I don't care how much water the waves put into it. It's not going under. Jesus said, because Jesus, with his confidence before God, he said, this isn't the plan of God for my life. God didn't institute a storm to kill Jesus. God didn't make the storm to kill you or anybody else. That's right. That's right. That's right. He didn't make circumstances what they are. You know what I mean? We have to understand that. Jesus slept through the circumstances. I mean, he, just, he was so confident. His conscience was so clear. That's a picture of what we are in this life. I don't care what the news says. The news is not my testimony. That's right. That's right. That's I pray for this nation. I pray for our economy. I pray for our, our president and our Congress, our Supreme Court, our state and local governments. But, but regardless of what they do, we're not going under. You can't sink the body of Christ. Not the body of Christ that's following God. I tell you what, you can live this life so victorious. Hallelujah. So free, so clear. My goodness, your life can be such a beautiful thing. My goodness. God is so good and faithful. So good and faithful. So good and faithful. Glory to God. I got a a wife that loves God. I got children that love God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I told you to go to 1 John. I told you we were fixing to close, and I told you I'd find a way of ruining our our on time here today. And I'm fixing to ruin that on time arrival. (laughs) Hallelujah. Verse 20 says, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and God knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. Let me show you something here. Verse 20. Notice it says, if our heart. It's not talking about the physical organ in your chest. It's talking about the spirit of man. It's talking about your conscience. It says, for if our conscience condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Notice who it is that will condemn you in your conscience. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's your own conscience. It's your own heart speaking to you. Because the Holy Ghost, he is not the condemner. Right? He is the counselor, the comforter, the intercessor, the advocate, the helper, the strengthener, the standby. The Holy Ghost never accuses you of anything. He accuses the world of rejecting Jesus. But notice, he says, even if your own heart is, is condemning you, that word condemn, it means to accuse or to find fault. Aren't you glad you have on the inside something that is constantly regulating your behavior? As soon as you move into a lifestyle or decisions that are displeasing to God, all of a sudden your own heart throws off a signal. Yes, yes, yes. It finds fault with you. Your own heart finds fault with you. It says, ah, that was a move out of God's will. That was a wrong decision. That's not what God had. All of a sudden, you lose clarity. All of a sudden, your heart is accusing you, and now it's clouded. Now it's, it's, it's finding fault. Now you've lost that clarity. 
But notice, even though when you lose that clarity, God is still greater than your own heart. Meaning that he's still willing to help you, still willing to comfort you, still willing to give you clarity, still willing to let you get back into the right plan of God. He says, so if your heart accuses you, right, God's greater. Look at verse 21. Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence towards God. We have clarity towards God. You have something on the inside that is telling you when you are in or out, when you are right or wrong. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can always go on the inside. And see, here's now the danger, is that Christians aren't listening to their conscience. Can you bring up 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2? Just look up here. This is what Christians are doing. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. That word seared means without feeling. You must keep your conscience tender towards God. How do you do that? As soon as your heart accuses you, as soon as something on the inside says, oh, that's wrong, oh, that's not right, as soon as you lose that clarity, as soon as you lose that confidence, you repent before God and you get back into His will. But there's Christians, their conscience will be on fire. They'll know they're doing something wrong day in, day out, day in. They'll be having wrong sexual relationships, wrong entertainment in their life. They'll be doing these things. They'll be feeding their lives with garbage. And right here on the inside, there's this unsettling. There's this, ooh, right? right, You know, kind of on the inside, something just saying, ooh, no, 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 no. And they ignore that. And the longer you ignore that, the more your conscience gets seared. And the more your conscience gets seared, the more without feeling it will be. It's like this. In some kind of menial way, I'm a guitar player. (laughs) And uh, uh, I've been playing guitar for years, and I have, I have calluses on the end of, of my fingers. Now, I haven't practiced a whole lot lately, so my calluses aren't as developed as they used to be. But there was a time that my fingers were so calloused, you could take a pin or a needle, and you could jab them in the top of my fingers, and you could even push them in a tenth of an inch, and it wouldn't hurt. Because my, my, the, the feeling of my tips of my fingers were so without feeling because they'd been calloused. They've been calloused. The same thing happens to the conscience of believers. That what they do is that they ignore that. They sit in front of some trashy entertainment and something on the inside starts saying, oh, this isn't, this isn't right. And they don't turn the channel. And they'll fill themselves up with that godlessness. And what they do is because they ignored that conscience, they seared it. And they do it again and again and again. And they've seared their conscience. There's Christians now that are, are, are later in life and they've never, they, they've been taught tithing, but they refuse to tithe. Right. And they just, you ever hear, oh, I've heard it before. Seared. Yeah. I've heard it before, that tithing business. So what you're saying is that your conscience or your heart has been hardened so much to the point that the word of God can't even soften you up anymore. Think about that. To the point where you've been disobeying God for so long, the word doesn't even get through the hardness of your heart. 
There's so many people. That's why when you become aware of what God wants you to do, do it. That's why, man, when I saw the word of God, when it said that God wanted me to respond and lift my hands and praise him and shout uh, uh, thanks to his name and stuff, I do that. Because the more I stand there and say, I know I'm supposed to do that, I hear the exhortation, I hear the pastor, I hear the worship team exhorting me to respond to God. I'm not doing it, not doing it, not doing it, not doing it. You'll sear your conscience. So much to the point where I could read you a scripture point blank that tells you and instructs you to do that, and you still won't do it. Because you're hard-hearted. You're hard conscience. See, to keep your conscience tender, I tell you what, I mean, my goodness, it just seems like Christians today have zero conscience. Come on. They've, they're so hard in their conscience, God can't even speak to them. Pastor Brad and I, we were talking about it yesterday uh, at breakfast, and he was talking about, you know, Christians out there that belly up to the bar and they have no thought of it, and one Christian was even telling them, hey, some Christians drink, some Christians don't, I'm just one that does. I'm just one that can sit down and destroy the conscience of those that are, are, are in your presence. Uh, sit down there and defile your life with God. Is there a drink on this earth worth it? I mean, is it worth it? Is it worth it? No, I mean, it's not just that. I mean, that's just one minor thing. But there's Christians, I mean to the point where they have seared their conscience, you can read them a verse, and they look right at it. I've had, I've had people, I've heard of people saying, I don't care what the Word of God says, I'm still not doing it. Yeah. What is that? They've seared their conscience. I tell you what, we should be so tender in our hearts that when we become aware of the will of God, whether it's something we read out of the Bible or something He speaks to our heart, we should just be like, yes, Master. Yes, Lord. There's been times when God spoke to me in service and said, get down on your knees. And all of a sudden I'm like, well, no one else is on their knees. Get down on my knees, start praying or whatever. Yeah. You know, God speaks to me, says, you know, uh, I want you to put a certain amount of money in an envelope, give it to so-and-so. Guess what? Got to do it. Because when I disobey, I sear my conscience. I want to be so tender towards God that, I mean, so tender. And I know this is kind of a, Weird illustration, but, you know, you ever seen a, a tender cut of steak? And it's real tender. And I mean, it's so tender. I mean, you barely have to, I mean, you just stroke that knife just one time across it and it cuts right through it. But those steaks that have been seared and they got that, that crust and they're hard. And you know, you have to start sawing through that thing to get through it. That's a picture of what your conscience becomes when you live a lifestyle of disobeying God. Do you get some help out of this today? Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm helped. Stop searing your conscience. Have a tender conscience before God so you can be led, so you can know that fulfilled life. My goodness. I haven't fulfilled all that God wants me to do, but, you know, I'm where he wants me to be right now at this part of my life. Hallelujah. And natural circumstances can't spoil this joy. Can't spoil it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father God, we praise you today. We glorify you. Lord, we thank you for clarity. We thank you that you speak to our spirit. And Lord, the voice of our own spirit speaks to us. 
by way of our conscience. When, Father, there's times we make decisions, but just something in our conscience just tells us, yes, do that, or no, don't do that. There's a scratching on the inside. There's just some sort of velvety-like feeling, just some kind of witness in our spirit that tells us to do or not to do. And Father God, we thank you that that conscience will help keep our behavior in a place that will please you. Because Father, there's times when we just, we slip into something and it, and it displeases you and all of a sudden our heart will speak to us and find fault with us. Father, we're so grateful that the Holy Spirit, you don't condemn us. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But our own heart will accuse us. And our own heart will make us aware of when we've stepped out. Stepped out of the right place or stepped into the wrong place. Father, we're going to be more spirit conscious. Thank you, Father. And Lord, we'll be led on the inside. And Father, we'll develop our spirit through prayer and word, spending time with you, coming to church. Make sure that we're sensitive to make these decisions. And Father, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. With all eyes closed, with all heads bowed, no one looking around. I just want to make sure that everybody in here today has a clear conscience, that they know their eternal destiny. The Bible says that this is a no-so salvation. There was a term in religion. There were certain religions that taught that it was a sin to presume that you're going to heaven. They called it the sin of presumption. But the Bible says that the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That we can have perfect clarity to know our eternal destiny. And if you're here today and you don't have that clarity, then today before you leave, you need to get clear. You need to get right with God. You need to have that confidence before Him. Today I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you're here today and you know that you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says in Romans 10.9 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you're here and you've never done that, you've never made that decision to give your life to Christ. I'm not talking about performing some religious ritual. I'm not talking about lighting a candle or taking communion or burning incense or, or, or something like that. There's no ritual that can get you in. The Bible says that you must decide with your heart that God raised him from the dead. You must believe that Jesus is Lord. You must confess him as your Lord, your Savior, that he is the way, the truth, the life. And no man comes to the Father except through him. And if you're here today and you've never made that decision, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to keep you right there in your seat. If you know that you need to ask Jesus into your life, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. As soon as I see your hand, I'll have you put it right back down. And then I will lead this entire congregation in a prayer, and you can speak to the Lord right there in your seat. But I want to know who I'm praying for. If that's you and you've never made Jesus your Lord, could you lift your hand now? If you don't have a clear conscience, thank you, I see that hand. You can put them down. It's not a family church thing. This is just the Word of God. 
If there's something on the inside that you just aren't sure, get sure. Is there anybody else? Maybe we would just like to just come to the Lord today and throw off the self-inhibitions and come to God and say, Jesus, here's my life. I want it to be used for you. I came to that decision at 23 years old. Ten years ago, I stepped over a line and I said, God, I'm not going back. Today can be that day for you. Hallelujah. Maybe you are here and you are a Christian and you are not obeying God like you should. Maybe you are searing your conscience and you know you've been doing that. Today it's time to cut through that callousness and get right with God. If that's you and you know that you're a Christian but you're not living like one and today you'd like to rededicate your life before God, if that's you, could you lift your hand now? Is there anybody? I see that hand, thank you. I see that hand and that hand. You can put them down. Is there anybody else here? This is heart surgery. God loves you. He wants your life to be right. He wants you to qualify for blessing. There's certain decisions that we have to make. Hallelujah. Let's all pray this with me. If you raise your hand to speak these words out of your mouth, all of us are going to speak these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior all the days of my life. My life is not mine. It is yours to live for you, to please you all the days of my life. Lord Jesus, I dedicate myself to a life of serving you. I will love you. I will please you. I will read the word. I will pray to you. I will seek you with my whole heart. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Did you get some help here today? Glory to God. It's a new beginning for for many. Hallelujah. And, 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 and you can go from this place today knowing how to be led in the this, this yes, spirit. Right. And if the Lord is willing, you know, over the next few weeks, I would really like to teach you how to develop your spirit man. Yes. You know, yes, generally praying and, and reading your Bible, but I want to give you specifics of what that looks like. Because there's certain endowments and things that God has for our spirit nature that when we receive, we become more sensitive. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you uh, made Jesus the Lord of your life today, I encourage you, find one of these cards in the pocket in front of you. Fill that out, and before you leave, hand it to somebody. Jesus said, hey, if you declare me before men, I'll declare you before the Father. This is just the way you declare Jesus before men. Before you leave, hand it to me, Pastor Brad, and usher. And just uh, don't be ashamed of the Jesus you're asking to save you. Amen? Let's stand to our feet as we get ready to be dismissed. Let's go ahead and say our confession with conviction, right? Because we mean it. One, two, ready, go. My mind is renewed. I will live for Christ. In the face of trial, I will say, greater is God that's in me. In the face of financial hardship, I will declare, I have a supply. Every trial only serves to make me stronger. I have victory in Christ. I am a champion through God, and nothing shall make me afraid. Hallelujah. 
Father, we glorify you. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name. And all God's people shouted, Amen. Amen. We'll see you tonight at 6.30. You're dismissed.